Hello, welcome to the Lean of Plants podcast. My name is Chelsea, and if you are struggling to lose weight on a plant-based diet, then this podcast is for you. While there are thousands of books, podcasts, and resources about the benefits of a plant-based diet, the reality is that being vegan does not guarantee losing weight. If you are feeling frustrated and confused about where to start, or you know exactly what you should be doing, but you just can't seem to rustle up enough willpower to do it, then keep listening. In this podcast, you'll learn the truth about plant-based weight loss, but just as importantly, how to use proven methods of behavioral change to turn what you know into lifelong habits that lead to getting and staying lean. Can't wait to get started. Let's do this. Hello, hello, welcome to the podcast, whether you are here for the first time or you are a long-term listener, I'm so grateful that you've chosen to put me in your ears today and we're just going to hang out and talk about something which is going to help you to get more consistent with your food choices and that is developing self-discipline. And this sounds like such a boring and dry topic. I'm sure that just even the word discipline evokes negative memories from childhood. I know that it it brings up a lot of stuff in me. But self-discipline is actually so incredibly necessary to our long-term success when it comes to making choices, specifically around food and and exercise and, and, and good habits, when we don't feel like it. And so I looked up the definition of self-discipline. I was going to say dictionary definition, but that would be a lie. I Googled it because Google is your friend. Uh, And anyway, this is what Google had to say. Self-discipline is the ability to push yourself forward, stay motivated and take action regardless of how you're feeling physically or emotionally. How good would that feel if you could push yourself forward, take action and stay motivated regardless of how you felt in any given second? Do you think that this is something that would help you to lose weight and stay consistent in your diet? I'm going to say yes, (laughs) most definitely. And this matters so much because I would say most of the time we don't feel like doing the things that get us to our goal. And it's not even this kind of passive feeling of like, I don't want it or uh, I, I, I'm not interested in moving forward today. It's actually a contradictory force that is pulling us in a direction of reacting to emotions and how we feel and seeking to comfort ourselves and self-sabotage so that we get even further away from our goal. So developing self-discipline is paramount to success because we have this opposing force, which is propelling us towards uh, comfort and safety and all of the things that we know have worked in the short term before. Like That's how our brains work right? We have this amazing habit forming ability that allows us to get on with life. And we do that by our brains learning that certain behaviors in a certain sequence are either negative or positive. So when you're on your period and you're feeling crap, And if we remember the four stages of how a habit forms, which James Clear outlines in his book, Atomic Habits, you've got your cue, which is the very first 
uh, domino in this kind of sequence. And then you've got your craving, your response, and your, your reward. That's how your brain always forms habits. So when you're on your period and you've got that cue of feeling absolutely crap and you just want to eat cake... Now you've got your cue, your craving, and so some way that you want to alleviate this feeling, okay, I'm going to eat cake. You've got your response, you therefore go and actually do eat the cake, and then you've got your reward. After eating the cake, you feel good. You've got some kind of dopamine hit from that experience. You've alleviated something uh, small or on a chemical level within your brain, and so your brain goes, okay, that was a good behavior. We should repeat that behavior. But the problem is that you know that that is not a helpful behavior to actually achieving your goals. So if we want to develop self-discipline, we've got to have something stronger and deeper and more systematized, essentially a pattern interrupt that is going to break this four-step process because we are designed to get onto this habit autopilot so that we can We can function at our highest and we don't have to make decisions every single second of every day because our brain has just learnt right from wrong in terms of what feels okay and what doesn't. And this is why it's so hard for us to change these ingrained behaviours, no matter how much you quote unquote want the outcome and how strong your why is. There's not something wrong with you that you can't take action consistently because You're trying to interrupt a series of behaviors that you've done hundreds, if not thousands of times, and that your brain has had a a positive chemical reaction to. So uh, we talked about last week that... Uh, you should you, you need to stop shooting on yourself and we all of us we should on ourselves, and that's where we go you know what I, I should be able to change my behavior I I should be able to resist the chocolate I should go for a run or get to the gym when I I, I know that I just want to sit and watch Netflix instead but that's not an effective system for change just saying should just because we think that we should be able to change something and we're consistently not is, is a bit of a cop-out. And if you want to listen to that episode, then go back and listen to the one before this. But instead of that should idea and magically thinking that because our why is strong enough, we should have discipline, we've actually got to be proactive about creating a system that does get us to change and break that pattern somewhere. And the more places and the stronger we can break those patterns, the more we can put things in place to make it easy to follow through on the good things, the more likely we are to actually succeed. This is is really the science of behavioral change. So exactly the same principle is at play here. We must create a system that allows us to become more disciplined. Just deciding that we want to become more disciplined is not going to cut it. So in order to do that, we've got to look at where we can interrupt these patterns. And I want to stress to you that all behavioral change, like I said, centers around pattern interrupts because of how habits work. And so we've got to interrupt this autopilot autopilot reaction to mostly environmental things. And it's kind of fascinating when you learn that 
most of what we do on a daily basis is is simply because of the environment that exists around us. We pick up our phones because our phones are there. We pick them up because we hear a ding. We eat because we're hungry. That's an internal environment. We say hi to someone because they wave at us. Most of the time, we're reacting to the environment around us. So obviously you go okay if I want to change my behavior I've got to change my environment that's some kind of pattern interrupt here so we've got to just start thinking about this in terms of system changes and I really wanted to stress this before we get into the episode because I was talking to someone this week and if you're listening to this this is an amazing uh, Lean with Plants member amazing person who has made phenomenal progress and she was telling me that the system wasn't the problem and that she just didn't follow the system. And I was like, yep, that's, that's great, but the system is always the problem. The system is always the issue. This is where we stop shooting on ourselves. If nothing changes, nothing changes. And if you are not changing currently, then you need to make more pattern interrupts than you are currently. If nothing is changing and you've changed your system, then we've got to change something else. You must create better systems in order to change, not focus on trying to get better yourself. There's a really key, but it's it's subtle in terms of the difference of understanding how this works, but it's so important that you grasp this. And it, it really changes the game when you start to think systems instead of I'm the problem because this is this is where you get really clear and actually acknowledge the way that our brains are designed to work and that we're we're almost robotic in our response and here's the thing we're not just a robot that gets programmed with a goal we're a robot that gets programmed with emotions and hunger and fear and loss and memories and all and an environment around us so we're we're very much like reactive robots if that makes sense uh, and when you think about the way that software works and I've, I've kind of already talked about this so I, I just wanted to deepen into it the way that software works is that you have a series of uh, sequences or a workflow where when x y when this button gets pressed or when this bit of code gets run then this outcome occurs and that that happens all the time right unless there's some kind of bug in the system but normally a bug in the system where software is not working the way that you want it to is because that line of code or that and I'm, I hope that there's no one who actually codes who listens to this and like, Chelsea, you have no idea what you're talking about. I get the concept. I do understand the concept. But in those instances, there's normally holes in it. And that's the reason that it's not working the way that it's meant to, because it's hard to find everything. You've got to, uh, you've got to think about all these different contingencies. But what I want to get at here is that in that sequence, it's a logical sequence of events, it's predictable, it's mathematical. And it's kind of crazy that we act in a very similar way. That when we get the same stimuli, then when we have the same emotions, when we have the, the lack of sleep or anything else, when it's the middle of the night and we don't, we want to have a binge, we go to the things that we go to. We have the mathematical sequence, almost, that 
we just fall into. That's how habit change works. So it's systems. It's always a system. I want to stress this because if you, like I said, if you are currently struggling with self-discipline, with staying consistent in your diet with anything, you must look at how you can change your system and make it easier for you to succeed and harder for you to fail. And if it is not currently doing it, then you most likely have not made enough system changes yet. So let's talk about what those are when it comes to developing self-discipline. And I believe that there are six key things that are system things uh, when it comes to developing discipline in terms of our food choices. The first one is really simple. And I know when I say it that there's going to be people who get a sense of resistance towards this. And if this is you, I want to challenge you because I've, I've put these in order for a reason. And this is the most important one. And that is to eliminate hunger first when it comes to self-discipline. Why? Why would we eliminate hunger first? Because when we think about a pattern interrupt and that the way that you make it more likely for you to, you to succeed is that you create an environment where success can flow, then if you are full and satisfied and you've eaten a potato, how much more likely is it going to be that you are able to say no to something than if you were hungry? Or if we were to even see this on a spectrum, if you're about to have a binge and you eat one potato... How, how much does your desire for that cake go down? A little bit, maybe one notch. What if you were to eat two potatoes? Okay, maybe it's gone down a little bit more. What if you were to eat five? You've now interrupted the pattern to the point where you're like, I'm stuffed. I'm possibly uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't feel like eating something else because I've eaten enough food. And so you've changed the internal environment because you've changed the internal decision making. Okay, because it's almost like you've changed the programming in that instance. And when it comes to hunger, this is one of the most intense and base programming that we have. People will resort to cannibalism. They will sell children. They will murder for food. Like I'm not even kidding here. So if you want to break this pattern, then Eliminate hunger as your first point of call and get perspective about the calories in what you're eating with that. Because one of the things that I see is people are worried that they're going to overeat on things like potatoes, but then they will go and order a pizza instead. And if you were to eat five big potatoes, you're eating about 500 calories. It's not a lot there. Yes, it's a lot more than zero. Like best case scenario, you don't do that. But again, is that a pattern interrupt? Have you ever done that before? Is that going to be easy for you to do and follow through on? When every time that you've been hungry and craving or not just even craving something in the past, you've you've picked up the phone and ordered vegan Domino's pizza. <laughs> not speaking from experience or anything here. That's not enough of a, parent, uh, a, a pattern interrupt to just say, say I won't do it. No. Get full, get perspective, 500 calories versus the 1500 calories that you would have eaten. I know which one I'm going to pick and I know which one I have picked for the past four years. And I'm also seeing people do this on a daily basis. One of the benefits of being in the position that I am 
is I'm not just speaking from my own experience. I've been able to observe hundreds, if not thousands of women. We can see really, really common factors involved in people who are successful and in people who, who struggle on a consistent basis. And the first one that I see is that they let hunger become a factor. And think of this in the way that if you're trying to get in tune with your hunger and fullness cues, if you're, if you're wondering about whether, uh, like if you're overanalyzing whether you're truly hungry or maybe you're wanting something else, if you have a leaky house, if you have huge holes in the roof, are you going to be worried about the color of the paint in the house? Or are you going to be patching the roof first? I'm not saying don't get in tune with your hunger cues. I'm not saying that that is not an important thing. But if you struggle with binging and inconsistency to the point where, and most likely this is the case if you're eating any kind of processed food in large quantities, you are you have a leaky house at that point because you, you'll be eating so many calories on those times that it will completely derail your progress for most people. I'm not talking about like an occasional snack here. I'm talking about wild inconsistency where it's I'm off plan for a week or I have a, a very bingy weekend or I have a meal uh, every so often where I'm just just eating so much processed food or even just even just a little bit, right? At, at different stages of weight loss, even just a, a small amount or what would be considered a small amount can actually be derailing your progress, like a couple of wines and a pizza and maybe some Ben and Jerry's. Maybe that's not small, right? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 would, I would do that minus the wine. So fix the holes in your house first with your consistency because the way that, the way that this works, it's, it's not just about the physiological in terms of satisfying hunger and more than just satisfying hunger, because I know a lot of people will say, well, I'm not hungry in those moments. I just have cravings. I get that. I'm not saying that you're, you're going towards that because you're hungry. It's not necessarily being unhungry that's going to solve it. It's going to be being stuffed that solves it. Because how hard is it after you've had a Thanksgiving meal or you've eaten a ton of food, like on Christmas or another time, like, how hard is it to say yes to even your favorite food? Like, when you're at that point, you don't. So it's not about eliminating hunger so much as it is about getting to a point where that you lose interest in that destructive behavior. I hope that that makes sense. So if you have a problem with this, then focus first on your hunger. That's the most important thing for you to focus on and eliminate hunger first. So what this would look like is on a practical level, if you were noticing, okay, so I, I get to the weekend and I'm, I, I just reach for uh, some kind of processed food, eat a potato first. Like that's a very simple, easy thing that you could do where you're not committing necessarily to not eating the bag of chips, but you're just eliminating hunger first and then seeing what would happen. See whether you still want it because chances are if you're stuffed, you won't. Right, And then in those instances where you would normally do something, the key here is you're not committing to not following through on that behavior because your brain will be telling you that you need to. And it's the only thing that is going to satisfy and make you feel okay. 
right? Our brains love to do this to us because they run on chemicals and hormones and dopamine and all of that reactive stuff. Not all, all reactive, but you, you hear what I'm saying. So just get full first. Like you can still order the pizza after eating some potatoes. You can still have a cookie after having a second helping of whole foods dinner if you you really want to, right? You can still do that. You're just eliminating hunger first. And then as you get more consistent, because you are less hungry and you're feeling more full and satisfied, that's when you can start working on these other things. I do not eat as much food as I used to, and I'm happy doing that, but I had to go for a time where I would revert to a potato in those moments and almost overeat by some conventional standards. And there's nothing wrong with eating large volumes of food. It's more about what we eat. And I I really had to go through that. I had to experience being able to eat as much food as I wanted because I'd had so much restriction. And I always thought dieting was just about being hungry and it's it's not that's too it's too primal for that it's too primitive we're we're wrestling with something that is inbuilt in us to keep us alive and when you eliminate that you make you make discipline so much easier and that's a major pattern interrupt number two is clean up your environment and i've said this so many times But again, think about this in terms of system change. If it's too easy to get it, it's very hard to to learn that you'll survive when you don't. Because we're talking about your worst moments, not your best. If you remember that definition of self-discipline, it was the ability to push yourself forward, stay motivated, take action. I think taking action is the most important one here, regardless of how you're feeling physically and emotionally. So we're not planning for those times that we're fine staying on plan. We're planning for those times where you've been working a full week. I talked to someone this week and they told me that they'd worked about 90 hours. And I was like, heck, like that's hard because what happens when you've been working a ton or like I definitely experienced this. Sometimes I'm like, well, food's the only, like that feels like the only joy that you have. Or if you feel, if you feel kind of overworked or deprived in other areas of your life or deprived in your food, like that's an emotional kind of visceral response to feeling like I should deserve something or I should be okay. Or even this kind of sense of rebellion. I talk to a lot of people and I've had this too, where you know what you, sh- you you should be doing. You know all of that stuff. But in the moment, you don't care. You're like, oh, stuff that. Like, I, no, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to eat the cake. I'm going to get the dominoes. I don't care. Like, that's textbook self-sabotage. So in those moments, I want you to ask yourself right now, what's stopping you? Don't tell me it's your willpower because you have none in that moment. What is the practical, physical thing that is stopping you? And that could be something internal. It could be something where you make the stakes really, really hard and really high. So this is where accountability comes in. So if you know, hey, I've got to actually have to take a picture of this or I'm going to have to give an account to someone else that I ate this, which is uh, like a like that's a huge level of accountability, right? Or I'm going to have to give someone money. Uh, that's a commitment device that James Clear talked about in his book where there was a guy who 
he he made us this huge commitment device for himself which was basically that he was going to pay his wife or pay someone $600 if he went off plan that's a huge pattern interrupter because now it's so flipping painful to fail it's more painful to fail it's harder to revert to your old behaviors than it is to continue on your path because the stakes are higher so we, in terms of our environment, it's not just our physical environment, it's also our internal environment and the way that we set things up, the accountability, uh, the systems that we have, whether you have a coach. But really, if your environment is good, it's pretty easy to stay consistent. It's a lot easier. And I want to challenge you to think about whether you can be proactive and creative about making an environment that is conducive to the actions you want to have and I want you to be honest about asking yourself right now does my environment support who I want to be does my environment support the actions that I want to make easy or does it make it easy for me to fall into default patterns and this always comes up every time we talk about this is living with other people I can't get the food out of my house Um, I have to have it there for teenagers or whatever else. And that may be a choice that you decide to make. But I want you to recognize that that is still a choice. You do have a choice about what happens in your home. If you decide to keep those foods in your environment, if you decide to keep the same environment that you currently have, whether that is physical or around you, then you are choosing the consequences of that. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy to choose the other one. But I want you to ask, which of those consequences am I more prepared to live with? Am I more prepared to live with a clean environment with irate people and have horribly hard conversations, but I'm able to stay on track? Or do I want to not have those conversations, not piss anyone off, not be in anyone's bad books, and continue to fall into old behaviors? Like that, that, that is a choice. All right. I want to, I want to remind you that we always have choice in what we do. We're just choosing the one that we're, we're always choosing the path that we think has, is going to be easier. But when it comes to interrupting a pattern, we've got to choose the path that is in line with the goals that we want to set and ask ourselves whether that is worth it to us. Number three is practice doing hard things. Sounds easy, right? No, it's not. So this is where, You're allowing your brain to experience what it's like to do something it doesn't want to do. This is again, if you think about this is another pattern interrupt. And the thing about a pattern interrupt is you're not thinking about this in terms of binary right or wrongs or perfect or off plan or on plan. You're thinking of it in how can I how can I break something? How can I interrupt something? How can I put an obstacle or a barrier or a stepping stone if it's positive positive behavior that you're wanting to develop? So when it comes to practicing doing hard things, you don't have to practice the hardest thing. You don't have to have a perfect outcome in this. You just have to make a decision that is slightly harder than what it would have been. And When it comes to saying no, as an example, that's an opportunity there to develop a muscle. That's an opportunity for you to strengthen a type of behavior that you will need to cultivate if you want to have self-discipline. And I was talking to Catalina, who, again, an amazing um, Lena Plants coaching member, 
And she was telling me this little mantra that she has, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. And that is that my goals are bigger than this. And so when she's tempted with chocolate or cake or chips or whatever else, she's got something she can say to herself that is allowing her to remind herself why she's flexing that muscle, that no muscle. My goals are bigger than this. This is an internal pattern interrupt. It might not be an, it might not be enough in the worst moments, but it's something where you're reminding yourself that being uncomfortable is actually positive if it's getting you closer to your goal. And if you can't say no, if you if you in those moments then dip your toe in right do something better than what you would normally do even if it's just to break the pattern so when I think about this I think about how can I do some kind of tiny two-minute action that I'm not committing to the full outcome but I'm training myself to do something slightly more uncomfortable than my default behavior so if I don't want to go for a run like easy easy example if I don't want to go for a run, it's not do I run or don't I run. It's well, could I make myself run 5Ks instead of 10? Yeah, like I, I can do that. I can put my shoes on and do that, right? I'm, I'm flexing that muscle of I'm doing something hard because it's still so much harder to get out and run a 5K than it is to sit on the couch and be like, I'll do it tomorrow. It's so much harder, but it's so much easier then committing to just doing that 10k if it's if it's just a really binary choice do you understand this is the way that we tend to think it's really interesting how humans think we we tend to think very much like yes or no answers and i wonder as i'm thinking about this is this just because we've been taught this in school that we've been taught that there's a right or wrong and a pass or fail Maybe that's where it comes from. I don't know. But real life and creative problem solving is much, much more about there being a million different yeses and a million different ways that you can solve the same problem. And when we're thinking about the real problem that we're trying to solve in terms of developing self-discipline is we, we want to develop progress we want to be able to cultivate progress we want to be able to move forward remember what that remember that definition you're going to have it so just drilled into your head in a minute self-discipline is the ability to push yourself forward stay motivated take action that implies that you are moving you're in motion it doesn't matter how much it's phenomenal when you start to realize that you can do a little bit and change your whole perspective on it because you've now told your brain, I can do something difficult instead of just not doing anything or reverting to old behaviors. And so if you couldn't go for a 5k run, if I can't go for a 5k run, could I put my shoes on and go for a five minute walk? Yes. I could do that. Is it much harder to go for a five minute walk and make myself do that than it is to sit on the couch and say I'll do it tomorrow? Yes. So what am I teaching myself in that moment? I'm teaching myself to get out of binary thinking, all or nothing behavior. And I'm teaching myself I'm capable of doing hard things. And there will be days where just getting outside and going for a 10 minute walk will be harder than going out and doing a 10 minute run, a 10 kilometer run. And in those moments are where it really, really counts. So when we see 
these things as opportunities in any given moment, opportunities to build a little bit of muscle, a little bit of self-discipline muscle, then we're starting to go, well, how could I do that? I might not be able to bench press 200 kgs or 200 pounds yet, but could I lift a teeny tiny weight? This is what you're doing. This is the kind of the mental way that I like to think about this is we've got to get our reps in if we want to get better at anything. That's that's just how change works. But in the beginning, the reps that we make and the things that we try and do are naturally going to be much, much smaller. So instead of trying to do everything all the time and then giving up when you can't do that or you won't do that more likely, just do something, a little bit of something, a little bit better than what you would normally do. And on a practical level, I want you to ask yourself, what is a one tiny two-minute disciplined action that you could take in those moments when you don't want to have discipline? Could I eat a potato before my pizza? Could I eat one little tiny thing of broccoli? Could I go for a five-minute walk or even put my running shoes on if I didn't want to run? Could I switch my phone off for five minutes to stay focused with my kids rather than, you know, going and taking them out for a whole day, right? There's little things that we can always do. We just don't think this way. The fourth one in developing self-discipline is to normalize the behaviors you want to develop by getting around people who do them. And why do you think this works? Like, I really hope there is someone walking along listening to this who goes, pattern interrupt, environment. And that's why, because our environment, like I said, is what shapes our behavior most because we're mostly reactive to it. So if we can get around people who are doing the things that we don't currently do, but we want to do, and that's now normal, then we've switched up the environment. So this could be people that you meet up with on like a, a physical basis. They could be people uh, that are in your, your town or getting among groups, like joining a running group or uh, getting like a gym buddy or um, someone who eats the same as you and having meals together. But it could also be online. Like this is the amazing thing that we now have with social media and with online communities is that we have the ability to get in the room with people that we normally wouldn't. And that's phenomenally powerful. Like I've, I've, it's the reason that really successful people are in masterminds and have coaches and are in the room, as they say, with people who are above them or peers. Actually, to be honest, it's more the people that are above them. Like that's the kind of people that you want to get around. People that are doing those things and that's just normal because we we rise and fall to the level of our systems as James Clear says and we become like the five people that we hang around. So if you want to change some of these behaviors, then change some of the people that you're hanging around. Number five is develop routines. And I think routines get a bit of a bad rep because we're so interested in following our feelings and our impulses and I think this is actually a really kind of a new thing where we want freedom and flexibility we want intuition and in and in not allowing ourselves to develop routines and consistency we're actually getting much less freedom there is so much freedom And not having to think about the decisions that you make on a consistent basis. Like this is why habits are so important. But habits require routine. If you think for a moment about something as simple as brushing your teeth every night. Why is it so easy to do that? 
Well, number one is you do that at a consistent time, right? You probably do that within a sequence of habits, like getting out of bed, going to the bathroom, getting your face washed, and then brushing your teeth before you have breakfast or after you have breakfast, whatever you do, before you go to bed. Like you have some kind of consistent routine that is around that set times, consistent patterns of behavior. And then not only that, your toothbrush is right there when you need it in the place that it's meant to be. That makes it easy for you to actually continue on this habit. If you had to go and find the toothbrush every time you brushed your teeth and you didn't do those at consistent times, how likely is it that that would have become a habit by now and that you would have just given up years ago? Very likely. Like you, you might kid yourself that you've got good oral hygiene, but realistically, the reason that all of us brush our teeth is simply because of habits and the way that our brain forms them and routines, right? Because most of us aren't exercising consistently. Most of us aren't eating well consistently. There's lots of things that we're not doing consistently that are actually good for us. And the reason that we brush our teeth, which is really, really good for us, is because we've just found a way to make it easy. So what that looks like practically when it comes to food choices is eating at set times, eating consistent things, having consistent prep times, and being a bit boring, setting weekly and daily action goals that over time build the reps and get you to your goal. So consistency in your reps. And the more that you can do these things, the more often that you can get your reps in in terms of do that action, the more likely it becomes a habit and the quicker it becomes a habit. So it's very hard to develop consistency when there's nothing to uh, hinge that on or tie that on and there's no sequence of events that are consistent. So when, I think, when you think about a meal time, I know a lot of people like to do, you know, I'll just eat when I'm hungry, but that's not a very consistent trigger and it's a very emotional trigger as well where now you've you've let yourself get to a point where you you don't know whether you're going to be home or out you don't know whether you're what you're going to have like available at that time or maybe you would that's a bad analogy but you're, you if you think about that first step in eliminating uh, or getting better with self discipline then you've let yourself get to the most vulnerable stage that you will ever be in which is being hungry how much easier do you think it would be to develop a routine and consistency if you knew after I do my teeth, after I have unloaded the dishwasher, I sit down and I have a breakfast and it's something consistent? Don't you think that that would be easier to develop routine around than if you just got to 11 a.m. and you're out and about and you're driving past a drive through and you're now hungry? Which one do you think is easier and more freeing for you? It's consistency. It's routines. And they're so unsexy they're so boring and they work so incredibly well and all of the successful people that I know and have observed have very solid routines and very consistent routines they are the most successful people tend to be the most boring people when you actually what they look at what they do on a daily basis because it allows them to have freedom to think about other things and to get on with their life and to do it long enough and consistently enough that that is now just discipline right or it's just it's not even discipline anymore it's just habit it's very hard to have discipline for something where it's like well I don't know when I'm gonna do it I don't know where I'm gonna do it and I don't know what I'm gonna do right like if you want to have or if you want to grow 
on Instagram. Let's just use that example. Like a lot of people want to grow a social media following. If you aren't posting on a consistent cadence, if you're not actually creating content, which I'm kind of talking to myself because I have I have really let that slide recently because I've had other priorities. But how do you expect to grow if you don't have any consistency to that? Like if you don't, when you think about self-discipline, if we go back to that idea of you've got to push yourself forward, stay motivated and take action regardless of how you're feeling. In order for that to be true, you've got to have something that you know you're taking action on. But if you don't know when you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, or when you're going to prep and what you're going to prep, then how can you take action on it? Because now all of your thought process is going towards just deciding what you're going to do. And so self-discipline is much more about just creating a simple plan and then following through on that plan on a consistent basis. And that's where the discipline comes into it. So you've got to have a plan. And that's where routines come in. So focus on developing routines for your life. If you're you're finding the bottlenecks, they will probably be routines around things like when you leave the house, what do you do on a consistent basis? Do you have a routine where every single time you leave the house, you grab a a microwave potato, some fruit and some veggies? Do you do that? Okay. Do you have something else that you do consistently whenever you leave the house? If this, then that, right? If X, Y... If you don't, then you don't have a routine around leaving the house. Do you have a routine about what you do when you're out and about and you get hungry? Do you have something that if I'm hungry and I'm out and about, I do X? No? Well, then you don't have a routine about it, around it. So the first thing that you need to do is just create some kind of simple routine. Like it's kind of (laughs) easy. It's fun. It's fun and easy. And then follow through on the plan. And this is where step six comes in or stage six when it comes to developing discipline is that you've got to keep yourself really focused, planning for those moments where you lose motivation and realizing that it's normal to take your foot off the gas when you've seen some success or when it gets boring. Because here's the thing, planning and change is really exciting to us. And I think it's James Clear as well. Like you guys know, I love James Clear. I love the book Atomic Habits. And he talks about the feeling of being in motion rather than actually taking action. It's either James Clear or it's Greg McEwen from Essentialism. Sometimes I get them mixed up. They're both sitting here kind of like a, a little um, behavioral change Bible one and two, New Testament, Old Testament. That was as a joke. Okay, I just love these books. Anyway, motion feels good because it's this kind of idea that we will be making progress, but we're actually not. Motion is like, I'm going to write out this, this plan. I've got to get really strategic about what I'm doing. I've got to think about all my meals for the week and plan them all out and when I'm going to prep and all this. That stuff feels so good. It feels so good when we download a new meal plan or we decide we're going to decide on all our 20 recipes that we want. That feels amazing because it's motion. Do you know what doesn't feel amazing? Eating a potato for the hundredth or the thousandth time when you're hungry and you want to eat pizza instead. That's boring as heck. And most of us take our foot off the gas much, much too quick because when things get boring, we don't like that feeling. And we see a little bit of success. or We try something initially and it's not working the way that we want to. And this is where it's really funny is that we would think that success would mean that we would make more. But it, it doesn't guarantee that because we're not used to this feeling of things being 
boring and feeling mundane. We like that we like the idea of excitement, right? And that's actually, it's really important that we understand that that is actually part of the process and you don't need a better plan. You need commitment to the plan. Commitment to the plan is better than a better plan. A mediocre plan executed with bigger is vigor is better than a new plan. Most of us don't need a new plan. We need to follow through on what we know works. Most of us don't need to figure out all of these crazy things and how many calories we need and you know what we're going to eat at 5 p.m. on this day coming up. We just need some routines and then we just need to follow through and do the boring, boring work. And this is really how you build the, this, this bridge between who you are now and who you want to be. And most people go through this kind of five stages of uh, shiny objects and or thinking that there's a better plan out there. And so what happens is you're building this bridge and you're building and building and building. And then you get to about halfway through and you're like, you know what? I think there's a there's a, an easier place downstream. I think that the distance between that ravine, these two ravines is shorter just upstream. So you abandon that bridge and then you go and start and building another one. And then you get half through that one. You're like, you know what? I think that this one over here is a little bit easier. That's going to be a little bit easier. And at that point, had you just followed through, no matter how big that bridge had been, you would be at your goal by now. You would have, you would have bridged that back. And so consistency and actually following through is the most important thing. It will feel boring. It should feel kind of boring. The goal is not that it feels exciting and amazing all the time. The goal is that you develop enough discipline and, and self a, or a routine, essentially, that you can follow through when it is. And then it's it's good enough. And someone asked me the other day, like, do I get, ever get sick of potatoes and potatoes and broccoli? And I was thinking about this. I'm like, compared to what? Like, compared to hunger? No. Like, I love potatoes and broccoli compared to being hungry. Compared to pizza? If it was honestly a choice between those two, I would choose pizza every day, all right? Like, if I'm being honest. But that doesn't help me get to my goal. So what's the alternative? Like, it's not a binary answer if you, if you kind of catch what I'm trying to say here. So it's between what? Like, am I bored of potatoes and broccoli to the point where I can't stomach it anymore? No. Is it good enough as a meal that it gets me through the day? I like it enough while I'm eating it that I'm not gagging. And that I do mostly, while I'm eating it, enjoy it. And here's this really interesting thing about food. And I was talking to Nick about this last night. That while we're eating it, it's so easy to keep eating. And it's so easy to just follow through that sequence of events of putting another forkful in your mouth. And we're getting that satisfaction of like pleasure from some kind of taste. And you know, alleviating hunger in that moment. That most of the time... By the time we put the first bite in our mouth, even if it's not what we really wanted to eat, it's good enough and we actually still enjoy it. So we're trying to, it's so funny. This is like, if you can think about things this way, it will change your life. You're not trying to love potatoes and broccoli. You're not trying to hate pizza. You're just trying to hold off long enough to get some of what will help you in your mouth so that you can get on with your life. And at that point, you will be okay with eating whatever it is you cook. So the biggest, most difficult spot 
is before you start eating. Because once you start eating, you don't really care anymore. Like you're okay with it. (laughs) You will be okay with it. So all we've got to do is really make it easier for ourselves to actually get that food into our face. The the right kind of foods. And make it harder to get the other foods out of our faces, right? So we have this kind of build up pre-eating where only pizza feels good or only curry feels good or... It's just this kind of anticipation and excitement of what it could be. And when you compare that to the boring meal that's in your fridge or that you you know that you you want to make make because it will help you towards your goals, you're like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to I want to go towards the thing that's going to feel good. But in the moment, whether it's pizza or potatoes or broccoli, it doesn't matter too much. Like it's still just food. You're still just putting it into your gullet and then digesting it and pooping it out. So what you're trying to plan for is those moments before you eat. But I wanted to share these five stages of shiny object syndrome because the stage six of actually reminding yourself and staying focused and following through on the plan is the hardest part. And it's the part where all of us will get to at some point because it's the logical, it's the logical next step. And so when it comes to shiny object syndrome, which is where we get distracted and when we start to look at other plans or we start to think, well, maybe over this here is better. Or what if I tried keto or what if I, you know, I tried intermittent fasting or maybe I should start running and maybe I should go to the gym or I've been running for a bit and now I want to change the gym or I've been, you know, following through this plan and now I'm just, I'm getting tired of eating potato and broccoli. I'm going to start having some more flexibility in my life. And it's like, well, what got you to where you are now? Like, why would you change it? And so what happens is, first of all, we get this uninformed optimism that the grass is greener on the other side. So we start to question what we're doing and it's like, well, it will be, I'll be able to maintain what I'm doing. I'll be able to, you know, keep losing weight just by eating slightly less, but eating more processed food. It's uninformed optimism at that point. So you change the plan or you could go you know what, this diet, you know, it's kind of working, but it's a bit slow. I feel like that diet over there would be quicker and it'll be easier because I'd be counting macros and I'd be able to have more flexibility. So you change the plan and then because it feels like the grass is greener, that's uninformed optimism. And then when you actually get there, you realize that it's not as good as you thought it would be. And that's informed pessimism. (laughs) And you go, you know what, this actually sucks. Like it, it, I'm gaining weight eating with more flexibility. I'm, I'm gaining weight now that I went off on and did this on my own or I, I, you know, I, I, after vacation, I was like, oh, you know, I'll just have a few bites of this. And then it'll kind of crumble down because you stopped doing what was working or you just, you stopped following the plan. Right. And you realize that it sucks. Like keto sucks, you know, going to the gym every day. It sucks. Whether you're doing hit or you're running, like it kind of sucks all the time. And then that's where you start to feel just this pessimism. And that's that second stage of shiny object syndrome. And the second, the third one is this valley of despair. And that's where everything sucks and you're like, I got to get out of here. And then something else comes along. Something else comes along another kind of shiny object, another plan, another idea. Maybe you find another influencer and maybe they've got like they've got a rocking bod and they're saying like you know what I just I just ate I just ate eggs and avocado toast and this and like I don't worry about this or or some you go well you know maybe I won't even worry about losing weight anymore maybe that's not super important to me when it actually was important to you and that's the reason that you're there that's the reason you're in the valley of despair as you've gotten to the boring part 
and it was important to you. And so at that moment, something else comes along and you go, the grass is greener again. And most people get stuck in these three stages for the forever. It's the reason that we've done all these tons of diets. And in saying this, like I do believe that there is a quote unquote perfect diet. I do believe calorie density is the way to go because we're able to mitigate our most primal urge, which is hunger. And I think that that, like if you have a diet which you must be hungry for, it's never going to succeed long term. So we've got to get, we've got to eliminate hunger. But within that, there's so many variations of how you could do that. You could do meal prepping, you could do planning, you could do some, you could be potatoes, you could do rice, you could do all these other things. Like there's so many ways you could do that. And it's just that we don't follow through. So then we get, we get stuck in this three-step cycle. And the thing about this cycle is that this will happen not just to the worst of plans, but the best of plans. So what you're doing right now, like it, it could be working, like it could be amazing, it could be getting you closer to your goals and you can still become pessimistic because now you're actually informed, it, it, it does hurt. And I see this all the time, people will make a lot of progress in the first month or so and it's like, well, this is amazing, like I can actually eat again, this is so much easier than anything that I've done and then it does start to suck because it gets boring and it's slower and you start to go, well, and you start to lose momentum. And this is where discipline has to come in, right? But I think it's important to to understand that these stages come up. But if we push through this valley of despair while it sucks, even if something else comes along and you keep going, that's when you get to informed optimism. So now you know the roadblocks, you know the difficult things, you understand that a lot of it is sucky, but you also see the good in that. And you... And you're starting to reap the rewards. And then the final stage is that you actually achieve your goal if you stick it out. Because at this point, you didn't get distracted because you thought that it was easier to build the bridge downstream. You just kept building anyway, even if it was slow, even if it was a slog. Because you understand that that's part of the process and that's part of the journey. And you focused on building routines over that time so that you could brick by brick get that bridge built and then actually cross it and reach your goal and then maintain it and that's kind of magical when you actually think about it that we can do that we have to be aware that that's going to happen and we've got to put the systems in place that allow us to stay consistent with that the biggest thing that I want to bring across to you today is that if you are currently failing and failing consistently then you've got to change something in your system You've got to change your environment. You've got to change the way that you do things. And you don't need a perfect plan to do this. You just need to start taking action and then follow through on that action. You can keep analyzing where the roadblocks are, but realize with this is you're not changing the plan so much as you are tweaking it and knowing what you need to do. Like there is nothing wrong with realizing, like this is actually really positive. It's it's positive to realize that there are holes in your system, that's where you can patch them up, right? You're not abandoning the system just because there are holes in it. You're actually looking for those things. So I, I want to ask you, what is one thing from this list? Let, let's just recap. If you want to develop more discipline so that you can do things 
take action, move forward and stay motivated regardless of how you're feeling physically or, mo- or emotionally. First of all, eliminate hunger because this is the, the number one primal physical urge. Number two is clean up your environment. Why? Because we are creatures of our environment and we most of our most of our decision making is simply reactions to it. Number three is practice doing a hard thing, even if it is not the hardest thing. Get out of binary thinking by just teaching yourself that you can do something slightly harder in your worst moments than the easy way out. Normalize behaviors that you want to develop by getting around people who do them too, whether that's online or uh, in person. And then develop routines. When you eat, what you eat, uh, consistent prep times, get into routine. It will feel boring. Disciplined people are boring, routined people, okay? And number six is remind yourself to stay focused. It's going to get to that place where you lose motivation and it feels boring and it feels mundane and that's okay, right? It doesn't matter. That's normal. Expect that. Expect that valley of despair and choose to keep going anyway and stay focused on that goal, on that path that you're on rather than starting from scratch all the time, all right? Keep going so that you can hit the goal. And that is it for today. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. Uh, I would love it if you would give me a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the podcast grow, reach more people with the life-changing power of behavioral change and calorie density. So please help share this mission. Like, well, I'm on a mission to help people eat enough food, feel good, develop self-confidence through actually doing difficult things through habit change right and you can be part of that by just giving me a little review and writing something writing something little so that other people can listen to this podcast as well and I will hear you speak to you talk to you all those things not hear you you'll hear me next week for another episode all right that's it bye